This morning, I want to start sharing with you uh, an interesting thing that's really happened for me. Uh, I find that oftentimes the things that I preach and share is a reflection of what God's teaching me in my own life. And the one that I've really been drawn to lately, it just seems like God has really been pulling me in, uh, and that's to the work and the writing of First Peter and the works of the writing of Peter. And Lord willing, I want to share with you over the next few weeks from First Peter, and I want to share with you on this theme that comes from First Peter that really is the thrust of what Peter's message is all about, not of this world, not of this world. And if you sit down and you read 1 Peter, the five chapters of 1 Peter in one sitting, you'll get an understanding that Peter really is talking a lot about our future hope. Even as we sang this morning, he talks about a living hope, Peter talks about. He talks about this idea of being with the Lord forever. He talks about the judgment seat of Christ a few times. He talks about an eternal dwelling with the Lord and Peter's really message is all about how do we live in this world if we are not of this world? How do we manage to make it through the life that we are in right now when things are just not welcoming of this Bible that we preach and teach? It's welcoming of the lifestyle. Our world is countercultural. It's teaching us an opposite message, an opposite way. But Peter is trying to encourage the church that even though we are not of this world, here are some ways and here are some uh, paths that you can use to follow the Lord. And it's important as we look here today, as always, context is always so important. And Peter starts his writing off in 1 Peter by addressing, he says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion. And this is really what Peter talks about a lot in this message, uh, in this, this letter here, is he talks about exiles. And so that has to make us ask the question, what is an exile? An exile is somebody who's been barred or dispelled from their native country. And Peter here references the dispersion. We don't know exactly uh, what dispersion that Peter is referencing here, but we do know in Acts chapter 19, the Bible tells us about the dispersion that happened because of the heavy hand of persecution that came upon the church. So the believers began to scatter all over the world from that point. And so perhaps this is where Peter is talking about. Either way, we know that people who once had a home are now pushed into a land that is no longer their home. And Peter references them as exiles, pilgrims, aliens, strangers. Basically, we get the picture. These are people who are in a place that is no longer home. When I was in my undergrad studies, we, I did undergrad studies and intercultural studies, and we often talk about when, whenever if God was willing to send us to another country and we would leave and begin to preach the gospel in a new place, that once you leave home, Home is, all, is no longer that place anymore. Home is always where you're at. Because once you go back home, home is different. Home is not the same. Once you've been away for so many years, the faces have changed. The relationships have changed. So now home is just exactly where we are at. And this is really what Peter is almost telling them in a way. That home is not present here. Home is the believers gathered together, but that are anticipating a future hope. And we're going to kind of bounce around as we look at First Peter. And the, today we're going to look at this theme that Peter talks a lot about, but really he talks a lot about in First Peter chapter 1, and that is not of this world, holy living. 
I don't think we have to look very far to know that holy living is not of this world. We don't have to uh, even walk very far out of our homes to realize that what Peter is calling them to is holy living. And even as I say the word holy, some of us might have an image of what that might look like from past traditions or circumstances or, or church relationships before. But today I want to encourage you to kind of maybe put aside those, those lenses for a moment and look at it with a fresh lens today of how Peter is teaching them about holy living. And really what you have to understand is that Peter is talking to these exiles who have been scattered all over the Roman world. And they are faced with Roman culture that is pagan as pagan can be. There are things that are just downright uh, detestable to the Lord in Roman culture. And we see this over and over again throughout the New Testament uh, Roman life. And so Peter is trying to help them. That you are living in a world that is not welcoming of this biblical lifestyle, but practice it anyways. Live as that anyways. And he gives them some specific reasons why they need to live holy as a way to be a witness, as a way to make an example to them. And so we're going to read here today in 1 Peter, and we're going to start at verse 13. Now, it's kind of important to remember as we're talking, reading the words of Peter, that we understand who Peter was. Because if there was ever a failure in the Bible, Peter was certainly one of them. And you'll understand here today that what Peter is talking about in holy living is a work of the Lord, not of self. And so verse 13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is revealed. Now, we, when we are going to go through this First Peter, you're going to see this phrase repeated a lot, when Jesus Christ is revealed. And this is really talking about Jesus' second coming, when Jesus, we appear before Jesus again. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. It's important to recognize that Peter calls them to realize that their lifestyle before, it was ignorance. They didn't know any better, is really what he's saying. And he's not condemning them. That's also important to, say, to see here. When we're talking about issues of holiness and sin, we have to understand that God is not a God of condemnation. And Peter is not condemning them either. He said, you didn't know any better, but now you do. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Levitical passage. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold. This is very important today as we're talking about be holy. As he tells them, it's not about silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. 
What an encouraging word that Peter gives here to them and the way that Peter does it. And this is one of the things that you'll see about the way that Peter writes is Peter writes in such an encouraging way. It's not in a way to put them down. It's a way to inspire them to live in a greater way. And he calls them to live as holy people, to live in such a way that is honoring to the Lord. And before we really get into the depth of this, Peter starts it off by telling them this verse 13, prepare your minds for action, discipline yourselves and set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. If you remember last week, we, had, we read a similar verse that said, gird your loins for action. And this is really what Peter is referencing here in a similar way. Prepare your minds for action. Just like a soldier would pull up their loins and get ready to go to battle. This is what Peter's calling them to, to be ready for action. And he's really referencing their exile. Maybe they have got a little lazy or they've got a little complacent in their living. So he's telling them, don't live in such a way where you're just kind of falling asleep on the job. Prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves and set all your hope on the grace that Jesus will bring. It's important to recognize that Peter calls them to put all of their hope in Jesus. To all that they're living and all of they're doing, put it in Jesus. It was easy as an exile, it was easy as somebody who was living as a stranger to try to be frustrated when I couldn't find anything to meet the hopes of this world. When I couldn't have my needs met, there is great discouragement that comes. And we experience that as well, right? The Bible teaches us in Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this is that same idea that there is an expectation that I will get something from the world, but when the world doesn't provide it, I become frustrated, I become furious. At this, And so Peter tells them, instead of putting your hope in the things of this world, cast all of your hope on Jesus. Live in such a way that your hope is placed on him. Don't live in such a way where your hope is placed on the Roman world. Because we know, we know and we know by history that the Roman world will come and go, but the word of God will be eternal forever. And so he tells them, prepare your minds for action, discipline yourselves, and set all your hope on Jesus. And really what Peter was doing is he's calling them to be ready. As we talked last week, prepare yourselves, be ready, get in this mindset as you are going through this life, prepare in a, such a way that you can face this world by the principles that he's about to reveal. And so he goes in to tell them, like obedient children, like obedient children. When we're talking about be holy, as we're going to get to in just a few moments, what the most really important thing to understand here today is that oftentimes our church traditions and the church has taught for so many years that sometimes has got it wrong that holiness is not something we do. Holiness is who we are. Peter didn't say, go do holiness. Peter said, be holy. And when we get the idea that holiness is something that we do, what happens is, is then this long list of, of restrictions comes up. And we begin people who become like judges and they have their pens and they come around. Did you do this? Did you not do that? Did you do this? And really what happens is, is we measure holiness by what we are doing in life. And we forget that Jesus is holy by who his character is. 
And you're going to see, as Peter teaches them here today, that holiness is not about obeying a command of lists, of do, a legalistic list that people lay out before us to conform to some type of wish list of a church. Obedience and holy living is about following the example of Jesus. That is what holiness is all about. So that means that there might be time and there has to be room and space for us where we might not always live up to the expectation, but we are continually being conformed to the image of Christ. It's a process. And it's a process that Peter recognizes as he's talking to all of these believers and he's looking, he's saying, I know you've got struggles, I'm paraphrasing. I know you're struggling with holy living, but I'm telling you this way, aspire to live holy as Jesus is holy. So it's a pattern of following Christ. So he calls them to be obedient. And being obedient like children means that we listen to the words of Jesus and we put it into practice. If Jesus says pray, we pray. If Jesus says abide in the word of God, then we abide. That's what holiness is all about, is obedience to the words of Christ. So he calls them to do this. Instead, or, or like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. So the first thing we see about holy living is that holy living, as we see here, is not something that is like the life we had before as believers or as unbelievers. And this is an important distinction because sometimes there's this idea that I can continue living the same way as I did before knowing Jesus. But Peter calls them that if we are going to be believers, then we have to be believers who live holy because holiness is a reflection of Jesus. And if we are going to be imitators of Christ and reflection of Jesus to this world, then it's what we need in our lives. And you have to understand the picture of what Peter is talking about. Here is all of this pagan Romans living their whatever kind of lifestyle around them. And he's telling them, if you will live holy before them, if you will set the example, that could be what would bring them to Jesus altogether. It could be, and that's why he calls them to look at their conduct, to make sure that their lifestyle is matching the Jesus whom they talk about. Because the hope is that living as exiles in this world, that people might come to know the Lord through the pattern of following Christ. So he tells them, do not be conformed to the desires you had before. I'm sure many of us here today, we could tell our stories about what it was like before. How I was before I knew the Lord. How I used to live before I knew the Lord. But now that I know the Lord, it's different. Something has changed. There is something in my heart that no longer desires what I used to desire. I can remember that to be such a distinct thing that opened my eyes when I came to know the Lord. Was there was a point in my life where I desired this path. But then I came to a point where when I came to know the Lord and God rescued me and changed me by his amazing love, there's something changed in me that said, I don't want those things anymore. I, that, doesn't, that doesn't satisfy my soul anymore. And there became this thing in me that God puts through the Holy Spirit working through us where we desire holiness. We desire holiness because holiness is Jesus. So be, follow the pattern of Christ. Instead of being formed by passions, one should be formed 
by the pattern of God. Instead of being formed by the previous passions, be formed by the pattern of God, the pattern of Christ. And so he, then he calls them and he quotes a scripture from Leviticus. Be holy yourselves in all your conduct, for it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, I have a coffee uh, picture here. And this is the image. I wanted you to kind of get this picture in mind as we're talking about be holy. As it's once again important, I want to reiterate that holiness is not something we do. Holiness is who we are. As believers, we have been sanctified. And Peter even goes in and pulls that out. You haven't been saved and rescued by things like gold and silver. You have been bought and by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is what has washed you and made you clean. And so what he's talking about here is holiness is consecration. Now, this has been intended to hold coffee. To put it in there and you brew the coffee and it drops down in here. But imagine if we around here at the church office, we decided not only were we going to use this for coffee, but we were going to use this for mop water as well. And every Sunday we came in and we prepared coffee for you. We used the same pitcher that we use mop water for as we did for coffee. How would that make you feel? As a matter of fact, I think that could open us up to a lawsuit. There are lots of problems with that. There are lots of things wrong with that picture. And this is what Peter is trying to help them see, that if you're going to be holy, you have been set apart for a sacred purpose. You're not set apart for that purpose you used to have in the past. Now you've been set apart for a new and greater purpose, a special purpose. So this is why he pulls out the scripture from Leviticus and he begins to talk about the priesthood. And this is a theme in 1 Peter. So he talks about the priesthood. He talks about you are a royal priesthood. This idea of living consecrated as the priest of God. A life consecrated to God means a life set apart for His service. And when you and I recognize that we've been called to be holy as Jesus is holy, then we realize that my whole life, not just my attendance on Sunday, not just my little uh, tithes and offerings that I give whenever I want to, all of my life has been consecrated to the Lord. I have set it aside for a sacred purpose, and now it's completely dedicated for that purpose. To go back and forth is to mismatch the purpose of what has been consecrated for. To be mop water and to be coffee at the same time is not how God intended it to be. God intended it for us to be consecrated for a sacred purpose. Every day in all of one's resources belong to God. If you go back through and you read the very boring book of Leviticus, you will see that the priest and the temple, they had a sacred purpose, a special purpose. And that purpose was never meant to be changed or to be put in any other direction. And when the priests began to give themselves to other purposes, watch what happened. If you go back and you read, wickedness came upon the land, curses fell upon them, great evil came upon them because they missed their purpose when they had been dedicated for the Lord and they gave themselves to something else. Now it's important to recognize that when we're talking about not of this world, this does not mean that one does not work or live in what Christians often call secular environments. That means that for as me and my household, 
I will serve the Lord. I will serve my life, whether I'm in the marketplace, whether I'm in Christian ministry, whether I'm in my school that is a secular school, whether I'm in a secular job, whatever you want to refer to it. It means that one functions as God's ambassador there. We have been sent into the world, once again, as Peter's telling them, as exiles, people who are representatives of Christ among the unbelievers of the world. And the hope is, is that the life that we are living, imitating Jesus, imitating his holiness, being consecrated for his purpose, would aspire and open the eyes of the unbeliever to come to know the Lord. It means that we treat others and speak according to kingdom values, such as love, gentleness, and concern for the weakest. And separated for God means that we are like his consecrated priest in the midst of a world that we also serve like Jesus did. One of the amazing things about Jesus' ministry is he lived a holy life. We know that. He lived a blameless and perfect life. But you know the, another amazing thing about Jesus' ministry in life is that he was willing to go where the religious people weren't willing to go. His holiness did not keep him from being an example to the unbeliever. His holiness did not keep him from entering places that had constantly rejected him. He continued to be an example in those places. And the, what Peter is trying to tell them, you are living in a Roman world. It's not welcoming. I know it's hard. It's difficult. But be holy as God is holy because there is a greater reward in the end. Imitation of God is essential. The other thing about holiness is that he says here is he says, you shall be holy for I am holy. You shall be holy for I am holy. And this, this tells us that if you and I are going to live holy, then we have to know the one who is holy. And this means that we have to be not only consecrated for his purposes, but we have to be committed to investing in this relationship with the Lord. You and I will know holiness and learn her holiness better if we spend time with the Lord. If we learn to read the Bible, learn to pray, learn to be near to him. And it's like as Moses, as he was in the presence of the Lord when he came off the mountain, his face was like this image, the glory that they couldn't even look at it. This is the way you and I, as we are reading the Bible, as we are praying, our eyes are continually opened by the Holy Spirit, conforming us and helping us to mature in the faith. Once again, holiness is not something we do. It is who we are. It's who we live to be as believers. And the third thing here that Peter talks about is he tells them, you've got to follow the pattern of Christ. You've got to be holy. And he's, he, he leaves them with this. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Peter talks about judgment. He talks about it later on as well in this writing. It talks about judgment in such a way that it should help us live in reverent fear. And what does that mean? That means that there are times and places, and as we can look in our world, where the thing that is missing is not just a lack of knowing God, but a lack of a fear of God. And that is a type of rebellion that we see in the days of Noah. They didn't even fear God. There was nothing that said, I'm just going to respect God even from a distance. They had totally lost out on that fear and reverence. And what Peter is calling them to do is to live in such a way as if you and I knew that at the end of it all, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
And it would be different uh, if we understood this. How many people who claim to be Christians would spend their time and resources differently if we lived our daily lives recognizing God's presence and values right now and for eternity? And this is what Peter's calling them to do. I know your exile seems difficult and hard. I know it seems challenging and you're having a hard time making it through. But what I'm calling you to do is live in such a way with this day in mind. The day of judgment. The day where we will be judged for, as Peter goes on to say, uh, who gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. How would our lives be lived differently if we recognize God's presence and values right now, today? How would we live differently if we recognize God is at work right now in my life. He is molding me, shaping me, and preparing me to live with Him forever. How would my eternity be set apart differently if I recognize, yes, I am not of this world, but I have been placed in this world to be a priest, to be an example. But for all of the world I'm around, how would I live differently if I recognize this, that God's presence is right now here with me, working, and I'm going to live in reverent, holy fear. That doesn't mean we live afraid. That doesn't mean we live afraid of God and we keep Him at a distance. That means we live in awe and wonder of His majesty, constantly at work in the life of the church and the life of the believers. Live in reverent fear. Live in reverent fear. I'm going to ask musicians to come. Peter closes and leaves them with this. Talking about Jesus in verse 20. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. I know when I talk about holiness, especially for me, I have lots of images of what holiness looks like compared to past church traditions. But then when I read First Peter, I'm reminded that holiness is this. That your faith and hope are set on God. It isn't about trying to keep a list of commands. Uh, that's what the problem with the Old Testament was. It was the law. The law became a weight upon them. And now the Bible says it has been written on our hearts. It is we are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Now Peter is calling them. I know that you're thinking this way, but live in this way. That your faith and hope is set on God alone. We are not of this world. And that's important for us to remember here today in 2022 that you and I as believers of Jesus Christ, if you're serving the Lord, you and I, we are not of this world. This is just a temporary place. This is just a moment in the big picture of eternity. And if it's just a moment in a big picture of eternity, then it has to ask the question, how do I live right now so that I'm better prepared for that big picture of eternity? Live in reverent fear. My hope is not of this world. We're just exiles and strangers. We're pilgrims passing through. But the hope is, is that there is a place called home. The hope is that at the end of it all, you and I were exiles and strangers, pilgrims in this land, and it's difficult, and it's challenging, and oh my goodness, how some days I feel like the church in the world of Rome, God, I can't stand what is going on around me. How can I do this? I just want to get angry and upset. But Peter said, no, be holy as Jesus is holy, because your hope is not of this world. Our home is with the Lord forevermore. So we live this life always longing for that place, always longing and expecting that one day you and I 
are going to be with the Lord forever. I think my brother back there, he told me this morning, I loved it. What an encouragement for me as I was thinking about the last words. He says, if I get to heaven before you, I'm going to save you a seat. I love that. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Will you stand with me this morning? As we close this morning, as we prepare to sing in just a few moments, I wonder if as we prepare to enter this year, as we recognize we're not of this world, God's called us to live holy, if we'd be ready to once again consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart for a holy purpose, meaning that we say to the Lord, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, I give you all of my life this year. I'm not just going to give you my Sunday. I'm not just going to give you a few moments here and there. I'm going to give you all of my purpose and being. I'm consecrated for you, Lord. I'm giving everything that I am to you. And as the choir comes, as we sing this morning, we're all going to pray together. Can we make that our prayer today? Lord, we're going to consecrate ourselves this year for your purposes. We're going to be set apart for a holy purpose. We're not of this world. We're longing for our home with you forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the encouragement from Peter, Lord, that yes, Lord, we're not of this world. We're living for an eternal hope. We're trusting you that one day, Lord, we're going to be with you forever, Lord. But Lord, we pray now, God, help us to be holy as you are holy. Lord, I pray today if some of us are living under the weight of doing holiness, that, Lord, you would change our mindsets, Lord, because we are saved by grace, Lord, not by works. So, Lord, today may grace come and help us to live holy, Lord. May we trust in your grace from the Holy Spirit, Lord, as we are living in this world, that our conduct may be an example to the unbeliever, that there is a Jesus who forgives and saves and redeems and sets free. Lord, would you help us, Father, to be consecrated for you, Lord, to give ourselves completely for your purpose, Lord. We pray, Father, guide us, mold us today, Lord. We pray, Father, this morning that we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we would be conformed to Jesus and help us to follow you, Lord, and serve you with all of our heart. Help us this year, Lord, to constantly be consecrated to you. All of ourselves, our purpose, Lord, our lives, our careers, our families, Lord, our finances, may we give it all to you, Jesus, this year, Lord, all for your glory and honor, Lord. We've been ransomed and saved by the precious blood of Jesus. Help us to live with that reverent fear in mind. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, how you bought us with the price. It's not in vain, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The choir's gonna sing. Can we just give ourselves to the Lord as we sing this morning? We're yours, Lord.